Prepare to experience the strongest radio allowable by law. Secrets will be revealed. Myths dispelled. From the studio gym where excuses never apply. It's Superhuman Radio with your host, Carl Lenore. Welcome back to another episode of Superhuman Radio. Today is Military Fitness Radio with my co-host, Nate Morrison, in just a moment. We'll bring him on and get started. I want to mention a couple things. First of all, this show is not just for enlisted personnel, but it is. So if you know someone who's in the military, send them a link to the show. It's also for civilians who want to be able to perform uh, in a capacity uh, to protect their own lives and, and handle their business. And so th- this show is really for everybody. You know, e- even if you're a bodybuilder, you can get something out of this show. So please pass the show around. Uh, let people know about it. Also, the uh, sponsor that we have, Atrantil, I've gotten emails from people who are using the product and say it's legit. It really works. And I had Dr. Kenneth Brown on recently, and I said I was going to try it. This stuff is legit. Um, I'm currently eating close to... 5,000 calories a day, and generally, after every meal, I am burping, I feel bloated, and it's not the carbs. I'm not eating carbs. I'm eating, well, I am eating carbs. I'm eating spinach. I'm eating uh, green peas and stuff like that, Um, but the sheer load on my gut of the food I'm eating, a pound of beef at a time, 120 grams, 100 grams of protein per meal, and as a result of that, um, it is really taxing my digestive system. And I started using a Trantil yesterday. And what a difference. Last night when I went to sleep, I didn't look pregnant. I didn't have that bloated, gassy feeling. Uh, but more importantly, this morning I have what's known as Herxheimer. For those of you who know what Herxheimer is, it's the die-off. When you have um, SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, as you start to kill that bacteria, it dies off and it's kind of toxic. It makes you feel a little sick. More importantly, it gives you a headache. I never get headaches. I woke up this morning with a really bad headache. I know this stuff is working. I've gotten emails from other people. Ian Musgrove is on a bulk right now. He said he started taking it and it's amazing stuff. So if you have gut problems, if you really are one of those people that you get bloated and gassy all the time, you've got to give a Trantil a try. I promise you. You will not be disappointed. And now, without further delay, how are you doing, Nate? I'm doing great, Carl. How are you? Well, I know how you're doing. You're not doing so well. Well, you know, it's just it's just a weary feeling is all it is. It's just a weary feeling. Yeah, I've, I've felt that when I've taken higher doses of lauric acid and coconut oil as well. It's, it, it does quite a number on you for a few days. Um, you know, most people would back off of this stuff and say, I don't want to take this. I don't feel good. But the fact that... I can tell that there's die-off. The fact that I can tell that I'm not gassy and bloated by the end of the night uh, after yeah. all the food I eat, this stuff is legit. And you know where he yeah. discovered it? Um, no. He's using the same stuff that they're feeding cow. You know, cow farts is all the problem today. They're blaming uh, <laughs> our eroding um, atmosphere on cow farts, which is you know not true. But uh, So right. they, found the, they found something that kept cows from getting gassy. And it turns out that it kills the microbes 
that cause, uh, that gas. And it does that in human beings too, but it does it in the small intestine, not in the colon. And most yeah. of us have some form, you know, I've come to the conclusion that this um, dietary fiber craze plus using high doses of probiotics have given more people problems than helped them. Right, right. I think it actually seeds uh, the small intestine. And so, well, yeah, I think if you do it wrong and with the wrong stuff, then then you've got issues, especially the, the further away from the natural world that you get. Right, um, right, right. So, yeah. Um, so today's show is going to be tactical strength and power. You've put a lot of work into this, and this is really, really, really cool stuff. In fact, um, I'm asking you now if it's okay if I make this available on my blog, the outline for today's show, because I think people get a lot out of having this as well. Would that be cool with you? Yeah, I would. And actually, um, what I'll tell you is is um, give me a couple of minutes after the show because the version I have has a whole bunch of other notes scribbled down on it, and that may be of even more cool. Um, Valued it to the to the viewer and don't, and don't rush. Whenever I whenever you get it to me, I'll get it up so people will know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So tactical strength and power really uh, is an important discussion. Um, you know, tactical strength for a guy who wants to squat is you get under the bar and you squat a lot and you learn to be really strong. But in the as a warrior, you have to apply tactical strength and power in a variety of different uh, paradigms, right? You do absolutely. It's um, it, it, you know we're we're all kind of a victim of the of the fitness industry to a certain extent that has been pushing things like hypertrophy and and maximal strength and and I don't say that in in a way to to be mean or to say that they've been doing something wrong because certainly we we absolutely need a certain amount of muscle. Um, we'll cover that in another show when we talk about body composition. Um, and we certainly need strength, but. As I always say, the devil is in the details, and specificity is everything. So if you're, if you're dedicated to being a bodybuilder uh, or a powerlifter or an Olympic lifting guy, that's great. I mean, you, there's specificity to that, and you've got to go with it. And, you know, we have to remember that those are athletic pursuits, and that's very important to understand because every athletic pursuit has specificity to it. Right. And the, the mistake that people make is they then turn around and they try to apply that to another sport. And they say, well, you know, if you did Olympic lifting over here, you could be so much better. And eh, maybe, possibly, you know, but again, the, the devil is in the details. You right. can't just say, well, we're just going to apply thing A to thing X and, and it'll work out. Um, you have to identify the parameters. So, um, I thought it might be good if we went through the specificity of what it is that a soldier is actually doing and look at the loads and what that looks like. And then that will kind of set us up for, I think, the rest of the discussion as to why we train the way that we train and why at American Defense we're so successful with what we do. By the way, uh, plug your website, too, so people can find you. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, American Defense, and that's spelled the old British way with a C, not with an S. AmericanDefense.us. Okay. So people can go there and carry on a discussion with you and learn more and, and all that sort of stuff. And I, I, yeah, I, I would ask people to go there and check out the website, please. Definitely. Thank you. Thank you. So let's look at uh, the first thing that is, uh, I think, kind of the big sledgehammer when it comes to uh, a soldier. And this applies, by the way, to mountaineers, backpackers, adventure athletes as well. Right. Anyone that's carrying a backpack. Um, 
and, and the first thing that you have to do is you have to be able to move very long distances with 70 to 120 pounds on your back. Now, the average infantryman weighs 170 pounds, and so that equates to 40 to 70% of his body weight, and that's doing something called an approach march. And that can be, you know, on, on a daily basis, that can be as much as 20 miles or approximately 40 kilometers, sometimes a little bit more. Um, so, I mean, you have to start thinking to yourself, well, when was the last time you walked 12 to 20 miles uh, without a load? Yeah. And then, right? Yeah. <laughs> And, and now you're going to do it with 40 to 70% of your body weight. And, oh, by the way, the studies that, that the DOD has done says that at 40% of your body weight, that's so much weight that you, what you've done is you've hit a point of diminishing returns, which means that no matter how slow you walk, it's fatiguing you significantly, and you will require significant rest uh, when you get to where you're going. Right. Um, so there are certain units within special operations that try to keep their load below 40% at all costs, um, just so that their guys always arrive as fresh as possible. Right. Um, and then there's everyone else that overloads them. Um, so now that's just to kind of get into the area that you're going to fight. So then usually you'll drop some of that load, and then you need to move rapidly to contact with, 35 to 55 pounds, depending on what your specialty is, and that's going to be 20 to 35% of your body weight. And by the way, as I'm going through all of this, think about this for a moment. There are very few professions, and, and certainly only adventure racing um, or maybe competitive mountaineering would be examples of sport applications of moving very, very fast in a hostile environment with external loading. That's really important to, uh, to just kind of internalize. Um, so that now you're moving to contact with a little bit less weight, and then once the fight starts, you're moving explosively with anywhere from 25 to 40 pounds, which is 15 to 25% of your body weight, and you have to fight to the death in that, you know? That, I mean, you really have to think about that for a moment you need to fight to the death with a 45-pound plate on your body, the, you know, the equivalent of right. with all of your body armor and kit and, and everything else. Um, in the middle of that, you then have to use fine motor skills to shoot accurately. You have to throw things like grenades that are 14 ounces or 400 grams. Um, and then just kind of the soldier's life in general, you may have to do all of this after doing many, many hours of physical labor with loads that are five to fifty pounds, so it's quite a picture. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, again, so, this gives endurance a whole new meaning, right? And that's the critical point. Being in the military is an endurance sport, um, and, and it's a loaded endurance sport because nothing you do in the military, in the tactical world, uh, involves doing this without an external load which is pretty significant. Right. Uh, not only that, a lot of that load is compressing your rib cage. Uh, the moment you put body armor on, you cut your lung capacity by a third, and then you have to go do this. Really? Because of the tightness or the weight against the chest? Both. Wow. Both. That's yeah, it amazing. it doesn't allow for full expansion. Yeah. So, of course, the more you load it, 
the more the more significant that that becomes. Um, so now things like you know whatever your VO two max was or or whatever your yeah unloaded, that just that just went out the window. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right? right. So you have to have an even bigger aerobic capacity, and nobody trains aerobically anymore. Not truly aerobically, um, which is you know, and, and I mean, if I give away the secret, that's what we do so much of is lots of aerobic training. Right. And then people say, well, "My God, how are your guys doing this?" Well, we do lots of aerobic training. You know, right. <laughs> we make them as physiologically efficient as possible. And is, um, it, is it a matter of the body switching quickly from anaerobic to aerobic and back and forth, or do some people just not switch at all? No, everyone's always running on all three energy systems at the same time. You you have uh, aerobic, uh, lactate, and anaerobic, and you're always you're all or glycolytic is the the other the more modern term for the new or uh, for the middle. Uh, you know, they've replaced lactate with right. with glycolytic. Right. Um, you're running basically. You've got three motors that are running at all times, and what makes the difference. Um, is is what you're able to, you know, you, you've got a certain load and you're moving at a certain speed, um, you know, which which is a measure of intensity uh, and a measure of load. And so you have these lines in the sand where you can move predominantly aerobically up to a certain speed. And then the predominant energy system becomes glycolytic. And then if you, you know, if you continue, so for example, if you, if you start at a slow jog and then you pick up the pace, you'll switch. And it's not like you're switching from where one, uh, you know, an, uh, aerobic shuts off. It's just that glycolytic will become predominant. And then as you go even faster, approaching maximum speed in, in, a, in a run, moving into a sprint, you'll switch into predominantly anaerobic metabolism. But you're still running all three engines. Um, the idea is to develop these energy systems and, and your muscles, and we'll talk about this a little bit later in the show, I think, um, to where each engine can do more work before the switch occurs. Mm. And that's the key, mm-hmm. so, if, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It's kind of like um, if you have a car, mm-hmm. instead of having to shift at 5,000 RPM, you can shift at 8,000 RPM, so you can wind each of those out yeah. further. Uh, right and and yeah, that does make a lot of sense. It's really interesting. Um, yeah, I, I just had a thought too, and I know this is kind of um, not really about what we're talking about, but uh-huh. it, it is at the same time. Sure. Right now, the military is having a hard time finding candidates who are not obese. Huh. Uh, yeah. But I just thought of something. So mm-hmm. if you take a guy who's obese, you put him through boot camp, and he drops weight. He's already used to carrying an extra 50, 75 pounds. I wonder if the transition for them is actually easier than a guy who comes in and he's fit and ripped and ready to go because the obese person has been carrying a rucksack around with them every day of their lives. Well, you know, there's, there's a certain amount of logic that says that that might be the case, but it turns out that it's not. No. Um, those folks that come in like that come in – um, and they are just absolute physical wrecks and nightmares. Um, there's lots of things that happen when you're overweight and a little bit obese. And what tends to happen is those people get injured very quickly. Yeah. Um, because, you know what, 
you know, it makes sense for a minute, but then you have to realize that these people are very sedentary. And, and this is actually a great point um, that I should probably uh, address. And, and that is, there's a thing called total load that, that a head coach or a strength and conditioning coach has to, well, more the head coach than the strength and conditioning coach. Uh, he has to look at what the total load is for the athlete, for the player. Because everything that's done imparts a stress and a load um, on, the, on the physical anatomy and the biochemical physiology of that person. And that total load is a huge, huge factor. Now, when it comes to folks that are, that are overweight and obese, their total load is extremely low. And there's actually numbers to this. So if you are, um, if you walk less than 5,000 steps a day, you're considered to be sedentary. Right. Um, now, there's a load imparted there. Every step you take at three miles per hour is 20% of your body weight. So do the math, and that adds up very quickly. And that makes a very big difference throughout the entire body. Um, so what happens is those guys that are overweight and obese and whatnot that come in, they're coming from a point where they are sedentary, even though, you know, but, and so what I'm saying is they've not been doing the work at, you know, carrying that With load. That, right, right. Had they been, had they been like actually uh, six months before starting yeah. to walk with that weight, they would actually have probably an advantage over the guy who's coming in who hasn't, obviously. Yeah, if they if they if they did that, you know, there's a chance that they've got that. I mean, and, and some people, you know, because hormonally or whatever, are carrying more weight than others. Um, that's actually a great topic for the body composition uh, show that we'll do later. Um, but yeah, I mean, they can really help themselves out. Uh, but you get a lot of other things that come with that uh, sedentary lifestyle and, and carrying that much weight. So, for example, um, with a lot of folks, and I deal with this a lot, their tibias actually rotate one direction or the other. And so they've, they've got range of motion issues. And then when you start loading them with lots of marching and some running and all that sort of thing, wearing a backpack, their knees just go completely out on them. Um, mm. And they have all kinds of lower limb and low back problems that ends up putting them into the medical hold in basic training. And, you know, right now, all the different services combined, they have a 20% uh, recycle rate or med hold rate. So 20, like if you go to basic training, 20% of the people that go end up in, in a medical hold injured and trying to get uninjured so that they can go back and finish basic training. And then most of those folks actually just end up getting kicked out. Um, so it's, it's a problem. And, and it's why like when people come to me and they say, well, I'm, I'm leaving in three or four weeks. I need to get fit for, for the Army. I just laugh. I said, well, good luck. Uh, I can't help you. You know, this is a six-month to a year solution, and you came to me three weeks out. I, yeah. Nothing I can do for you. Like the guy who wants to look good for spring break a month before spring break. <laughs> you got, <laughs> exactly. No, you had, to, you had to think about this a little sooner. All right, let's do right. this. Let's take a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about why power output is more yeah. important than strength. This is going to get really interesting. Stay tuned. You're listening to Ms. I'm sorry, Military Fitness Radio with Nate Morrison. We'll be right back.
There are a few products that I believe in the way I believe in CanSee eye drops. I've been using CanSee for six months now, and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing. Wow, that's an old commercial. The truth is, I've been using CanSee eye drops for 11 years now, and I credit CanSee eye drops as being the reason that I do not need reading glasses at 58 years old. CanSee eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely. That's why I both use and endorse CanSee eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how CanSee eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from Live On Labs. You too can benefit from Live On Labs lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. Live On Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at liveonlabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's liveonlabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, labs.com. You've tried countless products that promise digestive relief, but you still suffer from bloating. Do you avoid foods that give you a distended stomach and abdominal discomfort? Want something that actually works? You need Otrenteal. Otrenteal is the first in its class to naturally target the root cause of bloating and finally deliver real relief. Developed by a gastroenterologist, Otrenteal is the only proven over-the-counter solution for bloating. Learn more at lovemytummy.com. Otrenteal is backed by a 100% money-back guarantee. Visit lovemytummy.com today. Use code SHR for 10% off. Mitochondrial uncoupling is the holy grail of fat loss. Making mitochondria work harder raises body temperature and metabolic rate without the jitters of stimulants. Now there is an over-the-counter mitochondrial uncoupler that will let you shred your body down to the last pounds of body fat. It's Trojan Horse. This is the supplement breakthrough of the decade. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Trojan Horse banner ad. Use coupon code SHR and save 20% off your order today. BlackstoneLabs.com. Trojan Horse. Ever feel like you want something crunchy? From the company that gave us the Quest Protein Bar, now comes the Quest High Protein Potato Chips. With 21 grams of high-quality protein and only 5 grams of carbs and no artificial ingredients. Just like Quest Bars, you'll feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest High Protein Potato Chip banner ad today and get ready to be satisfied. Thanks to Quest Nutrition, chips just aren't what they used to be. There is no other olive oil like Papa Vince Extra Virgin Olive. Not just because of the care and quality that goes into producing it, but also because the unique Nocellata di Belice olive that grows in Sicily is like no other olive in the world. Its spicy yet buttery flavor improves any food it comes in contact with. Higher in antioxidants. Oxidants, Papa Vince is raw, unfiltered, and cloudy, and comes from a single orchard owned and operated by the same family for over 100 years. It's the only olive oil Elisa and I will ever use. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Papa Vince banner ad and use code SHR45 and get two bottles of Papa Vince for $45 while supplies last. If you've followed my transformation on Facebook, you've been wondering what I've done to create such dramatic results. One of the things is I've started every day with the Kegenix Prime and then trained fasted and remained fasted till my first meal at 2 o'clock. Kegenix Prime gives me all the energy I need while shutting down hunger. And since the ketones are bound to a quad mineral blend, I'm getting all the magnesium. Magnesium, calcium, potassium, and sodium I need to keep my minerals in balance. Try Kigenix Prime yourself. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Kigenix banner ad today and save 25% off your first purchase. Kigenix Prime. I couldn't have done it without it. 
Move over, superheroes. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back. You know, you can still be a CrossFitter. You can still still be a pipe fitter. No, I'm uh, You can still be a CrossFitter. You can still be a bodybuilder. You can still be a powerlifter and integrate some of the stuff we're talking about into your training so that you can actually save your own ass in a gym. Um, there can't be anything worse in life than being somebody who can deadlift 700 pounds, but you can't run fast enough to get out of the way of an oncoming car. Um, so th- th- these, th- this is real world, real world fitness. That's really what this is. So why is power output more important than strength? Well, let's get into some definitions okay. first. Okay. Um, because it's important to understand really what we're talking about. So first of all, strength, you know, if you look in, in the dictionary is the force a muscle or a group of muscles can exert against resistance. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's great. But what we've done, and, and it's and it's important, it's critical. But strength is just one of many components of physical fitness, and your ability to actually perform work and and do things, if you will. Uh, so that's you know it's in there. But we kind of put it on this pedestal. We put it on top of the pyramid, and and we we I think really kind of worship it. Um, in a way that we really should, because it doesn't, unless you are uh, a power lifter or an Olympic lifter, it just doesn't have that much, um, or even a bodybuilder, not much application. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and again, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want to insult anyone. I've spent most of my life chasing strength and mass, uh, maximal strength and everything, but power is the performance of work expressed per unit of time. And work is force times distance, and, and you know, for the, those who get real technical, force is mass times acceleration. But what this all really comes down to is that um, everything that we do involves a certain amount of power output. And anything that's repetitive involves power output and, and the duration of power output. And this matters because... Our ability, you know, for example, you can have a 700-pound deadlift, but if I put 70 pounds on your back and I ask you to walk, you know, four and a half, five miles a, 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 a per hour, you're probably not going to be able to do it. In fact, I guarantee that you're not going to be able to do it, and you're certainly not going to be able to do it for, you know, 10, 12, 20 miles. Right. There's no way in hell that's going to happen. Right. So, so there's a mismatch in, in what's going on in the specificity of, of what we're trying to train for. And so what athletes do is they look at, or what coaches of, of athletes do, is they say, well, we have to look at the specificity of things going on here. And then what you do in your training is you tailor that training to, to mimic and to improve the power output that that athlete needs. Um, so, you know, how much work you're doing in a given amount of time uh, gives you your power output rates. And so you can start to measure things like power output with things like speed. So how fast are you walking? How fast are you running? Because the faster you go, the greater the power output. Because more work is being done mm-hmm. in that same period of time. You see? Right. So that makes that incredibly important. And then, you know, at that point, now you're not measuring things as much, if at all, 
in things like pounds. You're looking at joules or watts mm-hmm. or pace mm-hmm. or speed, those types of things. <clears throat> and that all makes a huge difference. And, you know, there's a rule that I've been using for a lot of years where I don't, I don't make any big jumps in things like pace or even weight that my guys use of anything more than 10% at a time because you can get away with that a little bit, but then it'll come back and stomp you because, you know, again, these are repetitive things. So um, when it comes to power, what, where a lot of people get confused is they've only heard about acyclic power, which is higher up on, on, the, uh, uh, on the maximum uh, strength uh, scheme, if you will, or continuum. It's closer to one rep max. So they'll say, well, power training is 70 to 100%, uh, 100% one rep max. Well, for acyclic power training, that's true, but there's cyclic power training. Which means it's repetitive. Cyclic meaning it's repetitive now. You're not just doing one right. rep, right? That's right, yeah. I mean, up into, you know, hundreds of repetitions, you know, up to 250 reps. Um, and I'll give you an interesting example from the old Soviet Union in just a minute. But cyclic power training is, is defined by Dr. Tudor Bompa as 30 to 50% of one rep max. Now, there's, there's another school of thought that I happen to subscribe to, which is if, I, if I'm looking to match the specificity with the load and get my cyclic power, uh, my cyclic power training, then what I need to do is I need to find, um, say, uh, uh, 30 to 50% of my functional load. So if we go back to that larger load, 70 to 120 pounds that you're going to be moving for a long period of time. If I want to speed someone up, then the loads I'm going to use are only from 21 to 36 pounds at the 30% mark to 35 to 60 pounds at the 50% mark. And that has been wildly successful, wildly successful. Um, A little more extreme example from the Soviet Union. They had a program that it's noted in super training by Dr. Mel Siff and, and uh, Dr. Verkoshansky, uh, one of the more popular and effective programs that they used on middle-distance runners in the Soviet Union was they said, um, they said, take 50% of your body weight, and you're going to begin with one set of 50 reps uh, in the squat. Um, and this would have been the half squat. Um, when you came down to knees, par- uh, uh, thighs parallel to the ground, the Soviets called that a half squat. They called that so, a half squat. Yep. Yeah. And ass to grass was, was a full, full squat, squat for right. the Soviets. Right. Yeah. Um, so you're doing a, a, a half squat, 50 reps, and, and you would do that two to three times uh, a week, and you would add, each week, you would add 20 to 30 reps until you were doing uh, one 300-rep set. Wow. And they said that was one of the best uh, uh, strength training protocols for their middle-distance runners. So, so, but, but I mean that that you can't be using much weight if you're doing 300 reps. I mean you got to be using a little no. bit more weight than body weight, like you said, like may, maybe 20 percent. They, they use 50. They use 50 percent of body weight. Holy crap! And well, and you've got to remember. I mean, these guys. So think about it. I mean, a middle distance runner. You know, they're, they're this is a 140, 150 pound guy. So you're looking at he's only using. 70 pounds. It doesn't matter. And 70 pounds yeah. for 300 reps is huge undertaking. That's insane. 
Yeah. And I'm, we're Absolutely. not talking about, we're not talking about rest pausing. We're talking about a guy doing 300 reps continuously from end to end. Yes. Wow. Yep. Yep. They said that was that was one of the most effective programs they ever developed when it came to canned programs for middle distance runners. Man, that's amazing. Yeah. So how you know how's that ten by ten workout looking? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> or or, you know? or everybody makes a big deal about the twenty rep breathing squat. How about this? Right. Right. Exactly. I mean, that's nothing. I mean, you watch a lot of these these Russian kettlebell uh, guys. And, and the number of squats they can do with two 70-pound kettlebells, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, it, it'll really, really make you feel more like a mouse than a man, to be quite honest. So, so um, you, you point out here in the notes that strength doesn't correlate to work, which is, you know, yeah. okay. But you also, so, what's the strength curve? Why, why, why is it disassociate below 60% one rep max? Okay, so that's, uh, yeah, so a lot of you may have seen this, where you have um, people are familiar with with um, one rep max calculators, right? Right. And they, and they go back and forth, up and down, like you know, I, I just did this for ten, so what's my one rep max? Or my one rep max is this, so what's my fifteen rep. rep max? Right, right, right. And you'll notice that it always cuts off at sixty percent and fifteen reps, so you can do. You know, whatever, I don't have numbers in front of me, right. but, you know, if, if you've got a 200-pound bench press uh, for one rep, then, you know, whatever the heck it is for uh, for 15 reps, that's your 60% one rep max. Right. And then crickets. Huh. Nobody knows, right? Well, they've actually done a number of studies on this and found that below 60% of one rep max, there is no correlation whatsoever with your one rep max. None. Really? Yeah. Um, I've got is that because you're studies. using a completely different energy system? Well, it's it's not just that. It's that what you're doing with the muscles is dramatically different. Mm-hmm. So remember that when when you are moving, doing any type of movement, or let's let's say you're lifting, um, when you're lifting with low reps, you're not doing it for very long. So there's not uh, there, there's high there's high tension, there's high torque. There is high, uh, high uh, stress, but there's not a lot of heat. There's not a lot of abrasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's not a lot of uh, chronic acidity. Mm-hmm. You know, you've got all those Lactate. hydrogen ions right. in there. Right. Yep. Um, all of that is, is going on. And so, you know, it's, 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 it's this easy. You remember the, did you ever get an Indian red burn as a kid? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, okay. we used to we used to so play cards. We used to play cards, and that was if you lost, then somebody <laughs> would give you a, 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 a an Indian burn on your back of your hand with their thumb. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's it's this easy to understand. Then, so if you just grab your wrist and you twist it once, twice, three times, I mean, you feel the stress. It heats up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Eh, you know, no big deal. Do that a hundred times. I mean, you'll be down to the bone. Yeah. Right, you yeah. you destroy the tissue right. by doing that, right? And so you say, well, I'll, I'll grip lighter. Well, how light? I mean, just surface contact. Do that a hundred times. times and see yeah. what happens. Right, right, right. It'll abrade the hell out of you. Um, that's what's going on inside your muscles. You're not you're not used to it, so you have physical breakdown of the tissues. The biochemical environment is changing, and all kinds of things start to go wrong. Mm. Um, and so basically, you're 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 not conditioned. 
one of my favorite words to hate and love. You're not conditioned to that type of work. You've conditioned yourself to high, uh, high load, low repetition, momentary work. And so then when you try to do the opposite, there is no correlation because you've not conditioned yourself right. to that. And that line in the sand is 60%. That's amazing. So what all the scientists say is uh, what you can do below 60% has everything to do with your specific training at those lower load levels. And that's kind of, that's where the soldier lives. That's where most athletes live is below that level. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, it would shock most people to learn that the best Olympic lifters and power lifters in the world live 80% of their time a little bit lower, 50 to 60% one rep max mm -hmm. for 80% of the year. 80% of their total yearly load is spent in that area. Um, and then they only peak occasionally to stimulate, to challenge, and then they back off. That's another thing. In fact, the, um, uh, the Soviets had a thing where they, they did 80% of their work below 70% one rep max. And they thought that the Finns were insane because the Finns did 80% of their work below 80%. And the Soviets said, can't be done. You're nuts. You know? <laughs> so it's another one of those things that comes out of professional Olympic grade athletics that nobody talks about. Nobody knows. But I know. I, know. I, I just assume these guys were... We're pushing every single workout for the maxes. No, no, because they learned when you do that, you just you just break people down. Yeah. Um, and, and as a matter of fact, even within the kettlebell sport arena, um, they'll tell you enjoy your time when you're young with those seventy pound kettlebells because you can't do that forever. You will have to come back. You know the seventy the seventy pound kettlebell just beats you too much. Mm -hmm. You've got to bring it back, but you can do the twenty uh, the the fifty three pound. Uh, kettlebell, 24 kilos for the rest of your life. Right. Interesting. That's the saying they have there. Um, so at any rate, so, so there's that. Yeah. And so, uh, one of the, I just, I have a, another note in here that I wrote on my sheet that I wanted to hit. Um, and I, I I'm going to pick on an old friend of mine, Dan John, uh, who's been on the show and, yeah. and Dan and I go way back, but, but I, I, I've got to call out a fallacy, a myth out there that has to do with this. And, one of the things that I've seen Dan talk about, and a lot of other people, to be fair, it's not just him, it's just right. he sticks in my mind. He says, you know, you take a guy that can do 50 push-ups, and chances are he can't do a 400-pound bench. But a 400-pound bench guy can do 50 push-ups. Well, that's half false, and it's half true. If a guy can do 50 push-ups, there's no guarantee he can do 400 pounds in uh, one rep max for the bench. That's true. It all depends on what his specific training is. A guy with a 400-pound bench, I guarantee you, if he does not practice high rep push-ups consistently, there's no way he can do 50 pull uh, right. 50 push-ups. Right. I've done that experiment myself and on others, right. and it just doesn't correlate. Push-ups are really a lot more challenging than people give them credit for. Absolutely, uh, you got to you got to have a lot of bandwidth to activate all the muscles that have to be activated. It's, you're not just pushing yeah. with your arms and your chest. You, you, there's so much right. more going on in your body. Right. And it, well, and it's, it's a great example to, to give, uh, I guess, the example of that, uh, that, that strength curve and the lack of correlation in that the higher your bench press goes, the harder it will be 
to do those push-ups. Well, and, that, and that's actually is, the next segment. So the next segment that we're going to talk yeah. about when we come back from the break is how strength training could impede performance. Absolutely. And Absolutely. this is something I learned from you early on when you and I first started talking. Mm-hmm. And so this is going to be an interesting discussion. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to pick it up with this discussion with how strength training impedes performance. How's that sound? Sounds great. All right, stay, stay tuned. You're listening to Military Fitness Radio with Nate Morrison. We'll be right back. million years of evolution gave us the blueprint for the perfect protein supplement for humans. So why do all protein supplement manufacturers ignore it? We don't. The first human-appropriate protein supplement is Thrive Advanced. Built around the blueprint of mother's milk, Thrive Advanced contains the amino acids, peptides, micronutrients, enzymes, probiotics, and vitamins that support protein absorption and assimilation. All of our dairy proteins come from happy cows on pastures here in the United States and are low-heat pasteurized. You'll never find any artificial sweeteners, additives, or ingredients. You won't even find thickeners or gums in Thrive Advanced. And we back up our label claims with post-production lab analysis that's available right on our website. Visit superhumanradio.com and click the Thrive Advanced banner ad and use code SHR and save 50% off your entire order today. Now, the number one best-selling non-hormonal anabolic agent at PredatorNutrition.com. Progenidrex has established itself as the category killer. If you're having difficulty gaining muscle while staying lean, you owe it to yourself to try Progenidrex. 100% of store reviews rated it at five stars, the highest possible ranking. And today, right now, there are guys pouring their hearts out in the gym with little or nothing to show for it. Don't waste any more time. Go to PredatorNutrition.com today and get Progenidrex, the world world's absolute best drug-free muscle gainer. Eat dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high-protein, low-carb Quest protein bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake, but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert. But this is no ordinary dessert. With 20 grams of high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia, these bars will make you feel like you're cheating. But you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars. You've heard about turmeric, and you probably use it. It's one of the most talked about health foods in America. Pure Indian Foods sources certified organic turmeric from small farmers in India. This limited edition turmeric is standardized to contain high, naturally occurring curcumin, which is the good stuff you want. It's also lab tested for heavy metals, which you want less of in your food. Psst. Don't tell too many people about it. It's limited edition. Get yours today. Go to highcurcumenturmeric.com today to learn more. Anabolicminds.com is the premier website for credible information on building muscle, burning fat, supplementation, and more. With over 100,000 active registered members and over 2.5 million posts, it's one of the largest communities on the Internet to get help and answers to your questions. It's also the place that the official Superhuman Radio Forum is hosted. Visit anabolicminds.com today and get into the action. Anabolic Minds com. Learn, teach, lead. Do you know how to properly use carbohydrates to ignite your performance in the field and in the gym? You will now, thanks to this free book by EFX Sports. 
The Carb User's Guide for Maximum Performance reveals why omitting carbohydrates from your diet can totally crush your gains. Ever wonder how many grams you need for your specific sport? Not anymore. We give you the critical number you need to dominate your competition. You'll even discover the super carb that's taking the athletic world by storm. You must try it to believe it. Go to getcarbolin.com forward slash carb guide today and get your copy absolutely free. Once again, it's G-E-T-K-A-R-B-O-L-Y-N dot com forward slash C-A-R-B-G-U-I-D-E. New Mass Pro Synthogen X2 just upped its own legendary game. To distance itself even further from the rest of the pack, Synthogen X2 now has double the key active ingredients. If you've ever wondered what steroid-like recovery feels like, Synthogen X2 delivers. See why others compare it favorably to powerful bodybuilding drugs at Synthogen.com. Mass Pro Synthogen. When you train with it, you'll gain with it. This is the Superhuman Channel, doing reps with the weight of the world. Welcome back. We're talking to Nate Morrison today. This is Military Fitness Radio. His website is American Defense. It's AmericanDefenseLab.us, right? Uh, no, just AmericanDefense.us. And that's defense with a C, D-E-F-E-N-C-E, AmericanDefense.us. Yep. So you were the first person I ever he- heard talk about this on my show. God, I think it was probably 2006. Yeah. Um, you said when your guys start getting slow or they're just not moving fast, you back them off of the weight training. Yeah, yeah. This crept up on me, uh, like you said, back in the in the mid two thousands, and um, you know, I, I, at that time, I was like everyone else, chasing the one rep max thing. Let's get these guys as strong as we can. And what kept happening is is we would have great success in building guys that were super strong, but they kept slowing down. And this has always been like guys that have been in the military definitely understand this because what everyone does is they go in the gym and they lift until they're big and strong but they're slow as hell. And then you hear that, okay, there's a PT test coming up or something like that. And so then you stop that. You start doing all calisthenics and running until you're small and fast. You go out there, you, you do your PT test and, and do well, and then go back in the gym and, and get big and strong again. It, it, this just wasn't, there's a problem there, right? You know, <laughs> and, and at the time we were told you can't have it all. Mm-hmm. It's one or the other. And, and I kept running into, you know, especially in the mid-2000s, I'd already been working with Russians for a while, and I kept seeing that that wasn't true. They had it all. And I kept looking at them and going, how the hell are right. they doing that? Right. Because we didn't have those answers. And uh, so, we, you know, I finally figured it out. But, you know, when you and I talked back in 2006 or 2007, whenever it was that, that I first brought that up, I had discovered that um, by this time I was being very, very dedicated with timing my guys and very carefully analyzing pace and everything else. And I noticed that every time, you know, we were only working legs, say, once a week, but the leg workout itself destroyed the next three days of training. Mm-hmm. You know, I could not get these guys to, to run or ruck march at the pace yeah, but, that but I needed them but that, to do. Yeah, but that makes perfect sense because – you are you are forcing the legs to undergo extreme adaptation and uh-huh. recovery. I mean, yep. in fact, when I used to train legs heavy, 
and did car and was doing a lot of cardio. I never did cardio the day after uh, mm-hmm. my my leg training because that was it was just futile. I, I mean, it, I wasn't going to be able to move. I, I was in pain, you know. Right, but when you're a multi sport athlete, you don't have that luxury. Mm-hmm. And not only that, the higher their one rep maxes climbed, even if they were well recovered they were always slower and slower. Now, do you think that's because there's actually a transition of fiber types when you start to train for strength uh, versus? I I think fiber type definitely has something to do with it, especially in the long run, because that's not something that happens just overnight. But what I learned was that it had more to do with what you're training the muscle to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so really it becomes more uh, a neurological function uh, or there's a much higher neurological component to it where it says, okay, what we do is, is this. And you have to remember that there's, there's all these other little components involved in building performance. It's not just strength. Right. It's how fast is that muscle contracting, and then how many times in a row at that speed can we contract that muscle. And, and all kinds of different uh, components fall into that, uh, into that realm. And so when you're chasing the, the heavy weights, the high strength stuff, you're conditioning everything in your body, or especially in, those, in that muscle group and the neurology that runs it, that this is what we do. And then you ask it to do the complete opposite, and it doesn't work. Right. Because you've asked it to do the big heavy thing, the big heavy slow thing, that is very short duration, and then you're turning around saying, now do the really fast, long-duration thing. And it goes, I have a, wait, whoa, whoa, huh? So that whole thing about specificity, you have to be very specific about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And so it really takes coming out of that old mindset and saying, okay, wait, we're get, we have to approach this the way that an athlete approaches it, which is to say, I have an athlete, and my athlete needs to, for example, run. Okay, well... What I need is I need my athlete to run faster. Okay. Well, if I take a couple of leg, uh, a leg, uh, leg training drills, uh, exercises, and what I want to do is, first of all, they need to go faster. So the exercise they do needs to be fast. And then I need them to do this over several miles. And so that's a duration issue. So they need to do an, an exercise that is fast and of long duration because I need them to maintain that power output, a little bit higher power output for the entire race. And so what you're doing is you're just, you're giving that, that performance a little bump. You're not going in there looking to smoke the muscles out and make them grow big and strong and all that kind of thing. You're looking to make, to just get, you know, a one or two or three or 5% increase Mm -hmm. in the power output over two miles, 10 miles, 20 miles. That gives you the speed that you need. Mm. That's the difference. You know, and I, I keep thinking about sprinters because sprinters have huge quads, huge hamstrings, huge glutes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know how sprinters train. I don't know if sprinters do lots of squats and hack squats and stuff like that. Maybe they do. I've always assumed that uh, explosive movements like that uh, have an effect on m- muscle remodeling. Um, yeah, I, you know, but I mean, I think of them and I think, look how fast they are, but they're only fast for short duration. They're kind of akin to the power lifter too, when you think about it, because they're yeah. running for a very, very short duration, everything that they've got. 
Right. I bet a sprinter right. has a hard time running a fairly fast pace for 10 miles. Well, they don't do it. <laughs> right, and that comes back That's to specificity. So so right. I guess I guess what we need to do is we need to start to broaden uh, what mm-hmm. our meaning of fitness is from I can right. deadlift 700 pounds, I can squat 700 pounds, I can bench press 400 pounds to – um, maybe I can only deadlift 350 pounds, but I can yeah. also uh, ruck march or I can go hiking and, and walk 20 miles in an afternoon and it doesn't even affect me. Right. Well, and, and even that, uh, what I, I've gone far beyond that. Um, I've, I've fully adopted basically the Russian approach um, where, where I don't even care what you deadlift. I, I really, truly don't care what you deadlift. I don't care what you bench. Um, I'm not interested in one rep max and I never will be again in, for the rest of my life. It's one of those things with what I do. It's, it's mildly interesting. What I care about is what can you do for 20 to 50 reps? Mm-hmm. That's what I care about. Uh-huh. Um, because that tells me that you're able that that you have stamina that tells me you've got muscular endurance um i can train that i can train that very easily i can i can modify that i can mold it um i can play with that all day long if you come to me and say well you know i'm you know you give me this this big powerlifting score i say well you know the first thing that you're going to need to do is probably lose a lot of weight and you're going to have to completely give that up because you're never going to you're never going to excel in in, in the tactical athletic realm, if you're going to be a power lifter. Right. You never will. No matter what anyone's ego says, you never will, because the numbers don't lie. It's very easy. You know? um, and, and, and it's not to say that you don't ever train for maximal strength or, or acyclic power. You absolutely do. It's just that it's a fraction of, of what you normally do, because... I like to think of it, and I, I like the way that the Russians put it, where they will talk about things like that as shock training, mm. where it's, okay, hey, we're going to do, and they'll do things that are somewhat insane. Yeah, something out um, of the ordinary. This is not the standard what we're doing here, right? Right. It shocks the body, wakes it up, knocks it off, off of these plateaus, kicks it around a little bit, creates an alarm phase, um, and, and the body really responds to that nicely. Um, but you only do that five or ten percent of the time. Uh, the rest of the time is is much lower intensity. Um, so, and, and we'll talk about the training in the next segment on on how to do that. I do want to mention, like I said, there is a time and a place for dedicated maximum strength training, and that is especially in beginners, because and even in bodybuilding style of training, when you get a lot of these kids. You reference the fact that there's so many people that are unfit for the military right now. Right, right. All they've done is sit around. And so what they, what they lack, they lack muscle. They lack um, the intestinal fortitude that it takes to grind through a heavy set of 10 or, you know, five sets of 10. Um, they, they, and they don't have the, the um, intramuscular coordination. You know, you know, when you try to have these guys, for example, deadlift, I never have them try to start deadlifting or, or start with a lunge because even that's too advanced for them. Their body just doesn't cooperate. They, they get their legs to do something, but then their upper body does the wrong thing, and they're just all over the place. So 
we bring it down real simple and we build strength and hypertrophy for a couple of months, bumping these guys up. And, it, you know, sure enough, within a few weeks, they start to stand up with better posture and the upper and the lower body start to communicate with each other and they start to reverse gluteal amnesia and all of these sorts of things. So there's absolutely a place. But as quick as I can, I like to follow Paul Check's advice of isolate and then integrate. And I want to integrate as fast as I can into a more, um, a more complex exercise and into higher repetitions um, as fast as I can to get them moving towards what I want them to do. And then every now and then I'll hit them with a week or two of dedicated maximum strength work um, that, like I said, shocks the body, wakes it up a little bit, um, challenges it in a way that it's, it's unfamiliar. And then they, they really just, every time we do that, they take off. Um, but you'll notice when you're doing this, what happens is they'll hit that, that max strength work and they might like it, but after about two weeks, they start to kind of plateau on that mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. everything starts to fall. Right. And so I, so you we're, shift we're them right out of that. Yeah. yeah, you shift them right yeah. out of that. Um, yeah, we're going to take our last commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about actual applied uh, strength and uh, power training, right? You got it. Okay, so stay tuned. We'll be right back with more of, I'm sorry, Military Fitness Radio. i got to get used to saying that. Now, the number one best-selling non-hormonal anabolic agent at PredatorNutrition.com. Progenidrex has established itself as the category killer. If you're having difficulty gaining muscle while staying lean, you owe it to yourself to try Progenidrex. 100% of store reviews rated it at five stars, the highest possible ranking. And today, right now, there are guys pouring their hearts out in the gym with little or nothing to show for it. Don't waste any more time. Go to PredatorNutrition.com today and get Progenidrex, the world absolute best drug-free muscle gainer. U.S. Wellness Meats is the leader in home-delivered high-quality animal protein. Grass-fed beef, lamb, bison, and dairy. Plus, wild-caught seafood, heritage pork, and free-range poultry. Everything delivered right to your door within days of your order. There is no one better to supply you and your family with the highest quality pastured meat product and dairy than U.S. Wellness Meats. Save 15% off when you use the coupon code SHR. Go to Superhuman radio.com and click the u.s wellness meets banner ad today there are a few products that i believe in the way i believe in can see eye drops i've been using can see for six months now and the changes in my vision are nothing short of amazing wow that's an old commercial the truth is i've been using can see eye drops for 11 years now and i credit can see eye drops as being the reason that i do not need reading glasses at 58 years old can see eye drops improve the quality and health of your eyes indefinitely that's why I both use and endorse can eye drops. Go to wisechoicemedicine.com and learn about how can eye drops can improve the health of your eyes and the quality of your vision today. 4.6 million years of evolution gave us the blueprint for the perfect protein supplement for humans. So why do all protein supplement manufacturers ignore it? We don't. The first human-appropriate protein supplement is Thrive Advanced. Built around the blueprint of mother's milk, Thrive Advance contains the amino acids, peptides, micronutrients, enzymes, probiotics, and vitamins that support protein absorption and assimilation. All of our dairy proteins come from happy cows on pastures here in the United States and are low-heat pasteurized. You'll never find any artificial sweeteners, additives, or ingredients. You won't even find thickeners or gums in Thrive Advanced. 
and we back up our label claims with post-production lab analysis that's available right on our website. Visit superhumanradio.com and click the Thrive Advanced banner ad and use code SHR and save 50% off your entire order today. Hey, this is Carl. Start your day just like I do with a high-dose lipospheric vitamin C from LiveOn Labs. You too can benefit from LiveOn Labs lipospheric delivery system. No more pills or powders. That's outdated technology. LiveOn Labs has the world's most efficient vitamin delivery system, period. Learn a lot more today at LiveOnLabs.com and benefit from their new reduced pricing. That's LiveOnLabs.com, L-I-V-O-N, Labs.com. Eat dessert again with the new 100% natural line of high-protein, low-carb Quest protein bars. I love lemon cream pie and strawberry cheesecake, but you can choose from chocolate peanut butter, coconut cashew, or cinnamon roll as well. No matter which one you try, you'll feel like you're eating dessert, but this is no ordinary dessert. With 20 grams of high-quality whey protein isolate, 17 grams of prebiotic fiber, and sweetened with stevia, these bars will make you feel like you're cheating, but you're not. Go to superhumanradio.com and click the Quest Protein Bar banner ad to learn more about these clean and delicious protein bars. Do you know how to properly use carbohydrates to ignite your performance in the field and in the gym? You will now, thanks to this free book by EFX Sports. The Carb User's Guide for Maximum Performance reveals why omitting carbohydrates from your diet can totally crush your gains. Ever wonder how many grams you need for your specific sport? Not anymore. We give you the critical number you need to dominate your competition. You'll even discover the super carb that's taking the athletic world by storm. You must try it to believe it. Go to getcarbolin.com forward slash carb guide today and get your copy absolutely free. Once again, it's G-E-T-K-A-R-B-O-L-Y-N.com forward slash C-A-R-B-G-U-I-D-E. Spit that out right now. This is the Superhuman Channel. Welcome back to Military Fitness Radio. Okay, Nate. Now we deliver yeah. the answers. We, 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 we posed all the questions. Now we deliver <laughs> the answers. So what That's is right. the uh, strength and power training uh, protocol that you, uh, you like? Okay. Well... I just want to review real quickly and then, and then get to that very specifically. Sure. Sure. Uh, so, uh, the soldier is a multi-sport athlete and that's the first thing that people have got to, um, absorb if you're going to get into this type of work. Um, it, it, it's not something that you can, um, it's, it, it, I guess more nuanced and, and a lot more complex than, than people think it is. So he's, first of all, he's a heavy duty pack mule. He's a manual laborer. He's uh, a, a fighter, both hand-to-hand and with weapons, but then still has to retain surgical technical skills for things like shooting, medicine, et cetera, you know, that fine motor skill. You still have to be able to think and manage the mind and body in the middle of all this, and then you have to be able to repeat this, you know, multiple times a day, multiple times a week, et cetera, et cetera. Um, because if you don't, of course, you break down. You're not fit anymore. If you listen to last week's show, um, talking about what that actually means to have military fitness, you know, it means, to, you know, you're able to do this and do it over and over again and not have any, uh, serious, uh, fatigue, breakdown, and detriment and everything. So, um, the next thing, so moving right into the, the exact training for it, the, the next thing is, is that it's not just about strength and power training there's more to the picture. So, um, 
human movement is broken into three domains. You have locomotion, you have body control, and you have object manipulation. And I've relabeled those to be a little bit more specific into combative gymnastics, which is not gymnastics. It's more gymnastics in the original Greek format. So this is all of that mobility work that you need to hunt, fight, play, work. And we could throw reproduce in there. Um, which is what humans are supposed to do in general, but you've got to maintain that mobility and that mobility skill, because if you don't, when you need it, it's not going to be there. Um, it'll also help keep you, um, um, from being injured or from getting injured as easily. Uh, then there's accelerated movement, which is all of your locomotion based work. Um, and that gives you that massive aerobic foundation and then we have the military applied strength training to improve your force and power production over long durations. So it's that development of the biomotor abilities of, you know, strength, speed, stamina, uh, power, et cetera. Um, when it comes to the actual loads, I very rarely use anything higher than 24 kilos, which is 53 pounds. Now, there's a lot of guys on some of the forums that have read some of my uh, some of my work, and uh, let's just say they have nothing nice to say about that. Uh, they think it is absolute insanity. Um, I'd like to note that none of them or any of their people, if they happen to be trainers, can come anywhere close to the performance of the guys that we're training. They not in their wildest dreams and imagination can they ever come close to matching our, the performance of our guys. Um, it's just one of those things where you're living in your own box and it's hard to get out of it. Right. And I understand that because I had to get out of that box and it took me over 10 years to do that. It's not easy, you know, because our world is, is the reason and evidence that we have at hand. And so you really kind of have to live it and, and train it and do it and experience it to really become that strong advocate of it. Um, and then that brings us to also what types of exercises, um, we had someone on Facebook the other day said, Hey, I've got a friend of mine and, uh, you know, he's, he's working on the deadlift, this, that, and the other thing. And I said, well, why is he doing the deadlift? Because you really shouldn't be doing the deadlift for more than three repetitions. And, you know, hip extension is a very important thing to do, but if you're going to do it for more than three reps, you really need to, you know, use a different exercise. Because biomechanically, um, the deadlift is a very complex exercise with a high risk of, of injury in high repetitions mm -hmm. or even low repetitions. Anything over three to five is putting yourself at risk. Um, so switch to something like, um, you know, kettlebell swings, kettlebell cleans, um, and even maybe do them a little heavier. You know, so choosing the right exercise is important. And it's why I love kettlebells because I can safely train all of the major movements with kettlebells without any of that risk. I can train all the energy systems, all the major movement patterns, um, and I can and I can do that very, very effectively and very, very safely. So that's kind of, that's my spiel on that. <laughs> what do you but think? It, what what is yeah. it about us? Is it ego driven? I mean, if you know that this approach yields better results for a multidiscipline uh, athlete. 
like a fighter, like a fireman, like a, a mm-hmm. police officer, like a, a, a warrior, you know? Mm-hmm. Why is it that people refuse to realize that uh, just, you know, lifting heavy weights is not going to get you there? And it, clearly it's not. I mean, we know that. Yeah. Well, I, I think it comes down to uh, experience. And, and they say that the difference between knowledge and, and wisdom is experience. Um, you can know many things. Not all of them are true or correct. Um, it, it really, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, where they say uh, experiences may vary. And so when you have someone, for example, that, that's yelling up and down, um, you know, one of my favorites is CrossFit. Uh, you know, for years and years and years, these guys have, have, you know, made claims that they simply cannot back up and have never backed up. Um, and, and, you know, so for example, we would have, I said last week, we used to have, a lot of CrossFit students or CrossFit people come to be students at the Mountain Warfare School, and they would always be last. Right. At, by the time we got to the to the end, you know, and that usually woke them up. You know, when when a bubbly little nineteen year old ROTC cadet female um, is the one up front and just talking away the whole time. You know, and and the, so their worldview crumbled in front of them. You know, and, right. and we would tell them you're going to have to do something different here because clearly what you're doing isn't working. Right. And when they experience that is when the wisdom comes in and says, oh, okay, that doesn't work. And if you're serious about actually performing at that level, you must change. You must adopt what's working. And it's, it's one of those things where if we don't have to, we won't. Humans love to get in their own box and stay there and not ever come out. Yeah, we, um, like, we like predictability. <laughs> Right. It's our security. We, that's our belief system, and we don't want anything to threaten that, you know. Um, but And that's part of, you know, part of why people don't change. You know, it's part of why personal trainers have problems with clients not changing, because they just, they just don't buy off on it. Um, so that's why I like to try to do as much as I can in competitive-type events where, you know, I say, well, bring your people, and we'll see, who, we'll, you know, we'll see how it shakes out. And, um, and that's always worked very, very well. (laughs) Um, you know, but I think it's, it's one of those things you just have to experience. You know, if you say, well, all this max strength training is the way to go. And we all had this on the teams, you know, this was always like, you had a guy, I won't mention his name, but I, you know, I remember one of them very, very well, uh, a good friend from years ago. And this guy, man, Everything you did, he crushed you. He annihilated you. And he never trained the way we did. He trained the way I do now. Uh-huh. And at, at the time, you know, it, we would say, oh, how the hell do you do that? And he'd say, well, come train with me. And I got to tell you, what he was doing looked insane. And it, it, none of us could keep up. None of us could, could handle what he did. And he went on to a career as an adventure racer and a bunch of other interesting things in his life after he retired. Um, it's only now that we're realizing, good Lord, you know, he had this figured out years ago. Um, and, and it's one of the things I've got another friend talked about. Uh, there's a certain very elite special operations unit that's pretty famous at this point. Um, and talking to folks that were in Ranger Battalion with some of these guys um, that went up to that unit. And they all, they tell me, you know, yeah, we watched these guys. Um, the, the guys are dead now, so everyone knows it's... Uh, 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 Gordon and Shugart were their last names. They died in Mogadishu. But the guys that were in Ranger Battalion with those guys, um, 
would, would watch these guys work out because they were going to this other unit, and it just didn't look anything like it. I mean, they, they ran a lot. They ruck-marched a lot. Uh, they did calisthenics. Their weightlifting was lightweight. You know, it wasn't heavyweight. And these guys were just animals. And so the thing is, is that if you want to change, you've got to model success. You know, that's something that Tony mm. Robbins says all the time, and it's true. Who's doing what you want to do, and then who's doing it the most successfully? Okay, well, model them. Do what they're doing. Right. Don't sit here and say, well, I'm going to do my thing, and I'll be like them one day. That's never in the history of man ever worked. So probably time to model, you know, model success, and, and you'll get there. Um, it's just, are you, do you want it enough to change your belief system and adopt what they're doing? I think that's what it comes down to. That's the really long-winded version. Yeah, no, it, it really makes a lot of sense. And it really is, you know, I'm listening to you, and, I'm, and, the, and the things that these guys are doing uh, for long durations, you know, for miles, mm-hmm. tens of miles, and that is really where the health and fitness continuum occurs. It's not, oh, it's yes. not the deadlift and the, and the squat. It's the ability – to put forty to fifty percent of your body weight on your back and walk twenty miles. There now, mm-hmm. now you're talking about a guy who's who's going to survive. Yeah, yeah. Not only that, Carl. How much time have we got left? Oh, we have as much as you want. We, 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 just okay. you today. Yeah. <laughs> well, I just wanted to throw out there that you know you bring up a really, really interesting and good point. Earlier in the show, I talked about how sedentary is five thousand steps and lower. Uh, that's what we classify as a sedentary person. Um, the really interesting thing is that, um, you know, we've been told all these years that you can't have it all. You have to kind of do this or do that. Or we've been told, well, if you do, for example, this was the lie I fell for. It was, well, if you do bodybuilding, you can have it all. And it turned out that was not true at all. But the really interesting thing is that this approach, the guys that we're training these guys look like cover models after yeah. about nine months. Oh, sure. Yeah. It's unbelievable. And they do have it all. I mean, these guys have got stamina. That I mean, they, they will crush some of these triathletes out there. Um, and they've got bodies to die for. Um, and it's, what's, what's really interesting is the triathlon community is starting to catch on. You've got guys like Chris McCormick. Um, you know, the running, the running and triathlon community, if you don't know, they've kind of been obsessed with this idea that you've got to be as light as possible right. because they don't want to carry all that weight, right? Right. Well, what guys like Chris McCormick are finding out, because he's a bigger guy, and what he's finding out is that if he maintains this lower body weight and, and does all of those, uh, I guess, runner-esque and triathlon-esque things, which is they avoid the strength training and they right. avoid muscle mass like the plague. He couldn't finish things like the Kona Ironman. He was just hitting the wall every time. And so he bumped up, uh, and I don't want to get into next week's show, but he bumped up to a higher uh, uh, level of body uh, uh, of muscle mass and a uh, higher level of fat mass. And everyone thought, well, he's throwing his career away. Yeah, right. He crushed the Kona Ironman. Interesting. That's really interesting. Yeah, but it's because he figured out that his body needed to be at a certain place. And we'll talk about that in uh, the next week's show. show. Yeah. 
yeah, there's a certain body composition that you that you need in there. But what I'm, so where I really wanted to get at was, you know, there's also this myth that well, you know, your cardio is going to you know impede your strength gains and all that. That's BS, absolute BS. Um, you you really absolutely can do it all if you if you do it right. And what we're doing is we're coming at it from a bottom up approach. And so real quick. Manual labor. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked on you and, and uh, Brooks Kubrick, I think, a year or two ago when you guys were talking about some of this manual labor stuff. And I grew up farming and logging, so I'm very familiar with this. And I always wondered, what is it about manual labor that's so special? Yeah. How is it that man... Because really, look at it. All manual labor involves... Um, working with loads that are long, five to fifty pounds for long durations. Long. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's extreme submaximal work. It's stamina work, right? Right. And I just I tossed up a, a number here. You know, your average hay bale in, in Vermont weighs about forty five pounds, mm-hmm. depending on how wet it is. And if you put two thousand hay bales in in a day, you've moved ninety thousand pounds. Right. Right. And often you'll move it twice, so double that. Right. Because we used to unload the wagons and then go up into the hayloft and then stack those hay bales. Right. So I moved them twice. That's 180,000 pounds right. in a 12-hour day. And, and you well, know, and I've said on this show that 100 years from now, yeah. manual labor jobs will be the jobs that people want because they will live longer, and the desk job people, they will die sooner of diseases. And someday... Yeah, the guy who's mowing your lawn will actually be the better job because while he may not make yep. as much money as you, he's going to live longer to spend it. Right, right, absolutely, absolutely. And the so other the thing, thing about is, manual labor, and, and it's interesting that yeah. we're talking about this now, mm-hmm. because for a very long time, I started looking at training and at work. Yeah, um, a guy doesn't go to work, and his boss says. Uh, we have uh, two pallets of bricks. Mm-hmm. They need to be brought up on the fourth floor of that building. Right. He doesn't look at it and go, how can I make this the hardest I can possibly make it? Right? <laughs> that's that, right. Because that's how we, when we train in the gym, we're like, you know, I, I need to make this a hard, I got to crush myself. A, a guy yeah. who, he's like, I got to do this for eight hours. I can't crush myself in the first 15 minutes. I'm, I'm done. Uh-huh. So what does yeah. he do? He partitions it out. He parcels mm-hmm. it out. He uses yep. small, but he does it all day long. And I started right. thinking about work and training and how we can learn a lot from doing work as opposed to what we consider training today. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and where I was, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to that. But the the one thing I wanted to point out is that the those guys that are doing manual labor on the farm like i i have pictures i'm not going to put them on on the internet but i've got pictures of me at 17 18 with an eight pack uh yeah, and right. just ripped um we used to just just to go into a little of my history i used to work all day on the farm i got up at 4 30 in the morning and you went until you were done and then i went down to my brother's house and we we did bodybuilding in the basement <laughs> after that but, right yeah after but the thing is, is that we worked all day, and so the bodybuilding was less than 1%, I mean, significantly less than 1% of the total load that we handled 
during that day. And so it was nothing for us to do that. It was nothing for us to knock out, you know, five sets of whatever um, and do five exercises, you know, five exercises, five sets of, of 10 or whatever it was. You know, that was nothing. It was chump change. It was just something we enjoyed right, doing. Right. It just rounded us out a little bit. But things change dramatically when that's all you do, and that's the only physical activity you get. It's a problem. Yeah, and um, that's, that's where I am right now. But my yeah. problem, i got to get my ass out of this chair more often. Um, right. And I'm, I'm, I'm kind of chained to this desk throughout the day. I do get up. I do push-ups. I do, I do do things uh, mm-hmm. at least every hour. But it's still not yeah. enough. It's still not enough. You know, and the other thing is, so we have this uh, Mennonite family that we buy organic uh, produce from. Nice. And last time we were out there, um, the son, who's getting big now, he, yeah. had, he was working. He had no shirt on. And Elisa said, look at him. Look yeah. at how muscular and ripped he is. And it's like, yeah. you know, Mennonites, they don't care about that. It's not like he's looking in the mirror. He's just a product of hard work. That's all it is. That's right. Yeah. And, and that's exactly what I wanted to point out is that kid probably walks six to ten miles a day. Um, and he's moving a hell of a lot of submaximal loads all day, and he looks like a Greek god. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, he he would he would, as we said in the military, he would PTU into the ground <laughs> all day, every day, without breathing hard. Now the thing is, what what everyone misses is they they go, well, I want to do the the big heavy thing, and I got to do this, and I got to have that body, and this, that, and the other thing. Like you can have it. Do the submaximal work. Yeah, you know, make ten or twenty percent of what you do the heavy, the heavy stuff, and you will be astonished at what happens. But part of that is you need to be walking. Work your way up to where you're walking. You know, at least five kilometers, preferably ten kilometers a day. So that's three to six miles. Yeah, yeah. When you're doing that, it builds a foundation where. Um, strength training and building muscle and getting super strong is so damn easy. Yeah, and this is and that, what, this is what I need to do now. This is actually a wake up call for me. This show because well, and especially as we get older, it becomes more and more important. Well, and I, I fall back into training harder and harder and heavier and heavier because I'm feeling good, and I always get to that point where I feel like I'm starting to overtrain and my sleep yeah. goes to hell and yeah. Um, but I still go into the gym the next day. Like today I took off. I had to take off. I just thought, you know, yeah. now it's getting silly. Like uh-huh. I trained three days in a row. I trained, yeah. you know, for me, I trained hard. And this yeah. morning I woke up and I was just exhausted. And I thought, I am not right. going to the gym today. And I'm probably going to take off tomorrow too. I need to start yeah. spending 80% of my time in the submaximal land. I really do. Yeah, I, I think so. It, it, the thing that shocks people is, is just how strong they can get once you once you get over that. Give yourself six months, and I'll, I'll send you some stuff. And you can call me anytime you want. Um, but you know, I, I can set you up with what our guys do, and um, and it, and it's and it's easy. In fact, um, we've got a guy. He he uh, he left us a review. He said he was so pissed because all he was doing was walking, and he couldn't believe that he was paying someone to tell him to walk. And it was just really angered him. 
Um, and we can talk about him another time. I don't want to go into this too much without uh, the guy that actually did the training for him. Right. Um, we should definitely have him on the show soon. No, we can't. Um, but, you know, when you look at what happened with this guy, if you fast forward two years uh, forward, it, it will blow your mind. I think you've seen some of the posts about about him um, on Facebook. Well, let's not let's um, not even give it away just in case I, I, yeah. I have. So okay. we'll, we'll save it for next time. So we yeah. already know what's happening next week. It's going to be a great show. Uh, yeah. And this is and so don't forget everybody out there go to American Defense and that's defense is spelled with a c d e f e n c e dot u s. Let Nate know that you have been listening to the show and uh stick around because uh you know what? The goal of this show is to turn everybody into everybody who wants to be uh the best physical representation of themselves that they can be. That's really what this is. I don't, yeah. We're not going to focus on your deadlift. We're not going to focus on your squat or your clean and jerk or your clean and press. What we're going to focus on is are you able to do the things that humans are supposed to be able to do at a very high level for a very long time? Because that really is where um, the warrior lives. And uh, more mm-hmm. of us need to start thinking that way. All right, brother. Thank you much, Carl. It was great. Talk to you next week, man. You got it, man. And we'll see, you s- then. We'll see everybody uh, Monday. We have a great show Monday, so tune in. That's it for this week. Thank you. 